You're listening to an audio sermon by Pastor Bernard Milder from Household of Christ. We trust that you will be encouraged and blessed as you listen to the Word of God. So this morning, it's going to be different. Turn to this person next to you say, it's going to be different. Say, if it's your first time here, you'll have to come again because everything is different. The stage looks different. The pastor is dressed differently. All sneakers here for the young people. Amen. Do you like this new look? Maybe I should uh, just uh, reinvent myself. Amen. No, when you, have, when you have young children, they'll tell you, no, Dad, put on those shoes. Do that. Lose the tie. You know, so uh, turn to the person next to you say, sometimes just go with the flow. It might take you to exciting places. Amen. So this morning, we're going to do things differently. We, we, we do the declaration. Are you ready? If you don't know it, if you're visiting for the first time, just follow on the overhead. Let's do the declaration. One, two, three. I'm a son of God revealed. I'm blessed with every blessing in Christ Jesus. I'm saved. I'm healed. I'm delivered. I'm a life-giving spirit. I accept his sacrifice on the cross and his resurrection power in my life. I'm bound to his word and can do what it says I can do. I receive the word with meekness and I'm changed from glory to glory. I have the God kind of faith. I'm the righteousness of God and will never be the same. Jesus Christ is my Lord. Amen. Hallelujah. As you take your seat, turn to the person next to you, say, your smile looks better than the last time I saw you. Tell them, keep on smiling. I know you have a lot of things to be happy about. Amen. These days with the mask on, we have to smile with our eyes. Amen. Let people see you smiling with your eyes. So like I said, this whole weekend is a family weekend. We're talking about relationships, but Sometimes you bring your children to children's church, but you don't really know what's happening there. And I've asked Pastor Harry to just come and share a little bit so that you can just realize how much faith, how much hope, how much love, how much encouragement is being taught to your child that you're not even aware of. How much Holy Spirit impartation is taking place. So I want him just to come and share a little bit of what's been happening and what God has been doing because sometimes we sit as parents in church and we don't know what's happening there. Maybe if you know what's happening, you say, I want to get involved and be a part of that. So Pastor Harry, please. Thank you very much, Pastor. So good morning, church. It's a privilege for me this morning to be able just to share a little glimpse of the heart of Household of Christ when it comes to children. And I think it's so such an awesome time to do that when we have a family conference because children are a big part of our family structure. So one of the things I want to just start off with is, you know, I often hear people say that children is, a, is, the, is the church of tomorrow, but children are part of the church of today. They are part of the body Christ. They have a function to fulfill here. And so we are very excited to see how we can equip them as the body of Christ, not to be just one day believers of Christ Jesus, but today, in every day that they live, in every day that they overcome, in every day that they face challenges, that they can do it as believers. So oftentimes, you know, we, I think we underestimate children's capacity to believe. Huh? Is that right? 
children's capacity to learn. They're like little sponges just wanting to know more. Their ability to worship. Sometimes the presence of God in the children's church as the kids just worship there. I just stand back and I'm like, this is a CD playing and there's just kids and it's beautiful because a child's heart is so pure and they're so ready to connect with their Lord. And we have to, as a church, be ready to help them and equip them. So we have a responsibility to be stewards, to be good stewards, to see how can we help them. And this is why I want to touch on today because I believe this is a, a partnership. I think our, our responsibility to raise up godly children is not just the work of the parents and it's not just the work of the church. But when those two come together, that we can raise up a generation of kingdom builders that can change this nation. Amen. So I want to start off with a short story. You have to have grace with me. If you invite someone from Children's Church to the auditorium, you're going to get a story. So there's a story of a, of a great commander of the Syrian army. He was a man of valor, the Bible says. He was honored. He was respected. He was a man of influence. And, and the Bible even says that the king leaned on him once he as they go to worship in an idol temple. So this man was a prominent man. But he had one tiny problem. He was a leper. So this man, with everything that he had, he found himself in a place where he needed God's intervention. And I hope you guys are starting to catch on which story I'm talking about here. And so the stage was set for this man to go and have a God encounter, to go let the man of God can pray for him to get this situation resolved. But God decided to use the unlikeliest of heroes to bring that great man to the Lord Jesus. Anybody here, let me see your hands. Anybody know who we're talking to? Don't tell me the children's church know their Bible better than their parents. Come on, guys. Yes, the story enters now a new character, a little girl taken captive as a slave, taken to a foreign country where she needed to serve this master. She was a little Israelite girl taken from her friends, from her family, all security was stripped away. But you know what? What wasn't changed? Her faith in the Lord Jesus was unshaken. And she could go with full confidence, with a heart that's full of the word of God, and say to Naaman, by the way, this is the story of Naaman. He says, there is a God that is alive in Israel, and he has the solution for your problem. Now think with me, what a big step of faith that should be as a slave to go to this commander to tell him, I, I know what can fix you. Huh? Well, how many times do we find ourselves in challenges and would we respond the same way that this little girl would respond? She had compassion for her captor. She had love even though they were not necessarily kind to her. With everything that was shaken in her life, she held on to who she knew God is. And she said, I know that God is alive. And you all know, of course, how the story ends. That, that big commander who listens to nobody, he listened to that little girl, and he went and received his healing. Give the Lord a hand. Church, 
This story teaches us that that might have been a little girl, but she had big faith. The Bible doesn't even mention a name. We don't know what is her name. But I can tell you that heaven knows that name of that little girl. And God doesn't look at children that the same way that we oftentimes look at them. He says there's this opportunity, there's victory, there's power in the lives of these children. He looks at them and he sees giant slayers, overcomers, those who can overthrow kingdoms because of the God that they serve. Church, God has something exciting that he wants to do in household of Christ. He wants to do something in the children of houses of Christ to set a standard. He's given us a vast army of kingdom builders. And we have to decide how can we get together as parents and as pastors and as the spiritual leaders of this church. How can we lift them up on our shoulders to see how far we can lift them, how far we can push them, what they can do for the kingdom of God. So I want to challenge you this morning. I want to say, renew your mind. When you look at a child, see potential. Tell your, tell your neighbor, say, I see potential. So we have a responsibility to point our children towards heaven. And that takes a team effort. That takes a team effort. So I want to, I want to touch on a few things this morning quickly. And one of the things is I'm... Um, one of the things I want to touch on this morning is just to say, why don't we believe bigger? Why don't we trust for bigger things? You know, why don't we, why don't we trust God for an army to change this nation? And one thing that I, I, I heard yesterday so many times, even as our guest speakers were ministering, they were talking about the spiritual battle that we find ourselves in and how there's a, there's a roaring lion seeking whom he, he can devour. He wants to break up families. He wants to hurt children. But I believe that God has given us a strategy to raise up children that can overcome in the midst of anything. I want to read to you, if they can put on a scripture for me there, 1 John 5, verse 4 to 5. For everyone who has been born of God overcomes the world. And this is the victory that has overcome the world, our faith. Who is this that overcomes the world except the one who believes that Jesus Christ is God? And this is the strategy that God has given us in household of Christ to say, if our children are to be overcomers, they have to have the Holy Spirit, the overcomer living on the inside of them. And for, for that purpose, we wrote a curriculum, an 11-year curriculum that is focused on helping kids connect with God. So I'm excited about this because in this curriculum, we decided we're going to do things a little bit different. We're not going to teach them the Ten Commandments over and over and over again. We're not going to teach them the fruit of the Spirit to say, this is how you have to behave. This is how you have to behave. This is how you have to behave. But we said, why don't we, instead of focusing on the fruit, we focus on the root and say, let's get them connected with the Lord. Because once Jesus Christ is on the inside, those fruit comes naturally. So our focus is to say, how can we get our kids to be in a living relationship with Jesus Christ? We don't want to just go through pages and pages and pages of history, but we want to know that that history is a testimony of the God who's working in my day today. It's applicable for the challenges that I as a young person can face. He will help me to overcome. As David overcame, I can overcome. Amen. So 
We want to make it practical. So with this curriculum, our children are going through the Bible for 11 times in 11 years. It means that every year they start in the beginning, they work right through, they go to the end. And we adapted it for every age group so that that the lessons are applicable to them. So our little ones, they'll have a more sensory lesson where they can touch and feel and taste and experience the Word of God. And we work it year by year a little bit more intriguing and more difficult that our, our giant slaves, which is our older class, that they are they're having open discussions to say, how do we apply the Word of God here? How do we do that? How do we stand up in peer pressure? So the curriculum, we based it on whatever the child needs in every phase of their lives. And I can tell you, we've seen testimonies on testimonies on testimonies of kids whose lives changed when God, uh, when God just moved because they, they take the Word to heart. They take the Word to heart. So I want to tell you guys quickly a story of one of the kids that really touched my heart. It was back still when we were at the, the school hall. We had a little boy there who was in an accident who, because of the accident, he got some injuries and he looked different. And I, I'm sure you guys know kids are not always gracious when it comes to these things. So he was rejected so many times that from the first day he walked into children's church, he rejected everybody else first. He said, everybody hates me. I don't have friends. I don't want friends. They don't want to be my friends. Everyone is angry at me. I don't like people. I'm going to hurt people. That was his, his little broken heart. And as we started to pray over him and as we started God to touch his heart, I could see even in the lesson something started to change. And family, it wasn't six months when that little boy got his confidence back when he realized his position in Christ Jesus, where he was no longer the outcast, but he was standing at the front, welcoming first-time visitors, saying, hello, welcome to Children's Church. I want to be your friend. Kids, our church, <laughs> give the Lord a hand. When the Word of God is, is applied to our young people, we see miracles all the time. And I want to take a moment and I want to highlight a few of our young people that's gone through the children's church. There's just not time to literally have everybody here this morning. So we asked just one or two to come and I want to share something about them. But there are stories on stories on stories of what God has done in the hearts of these children. So I want you to give me a round of applause as we just welcome our leaders here. Please come up, guys. Welcome, welcome. So I think many of these, you know their faces, and I, they didn't know what I'm going to, you can just take off your mask, please. So they, um, they didn't know what I was going to say, just asked them to be here, but I want to I wanna take a moment and share something about them, because I'm so incredibly proud and so incredibly humbled to see what God has done in their lives. So maybe I can start with Jesse first. Jesse, just wave for everybody. So Jesse, she is one of our longest members in Household of Christ. She, uh, she's been, her family's been in church, I believe, for 17 years. She was born into the church here, and she is 15 years that she has been in Household of Christ. Give the Lord a hand. 
Now I want to take a moment, I want to just salute the parents as well, because they're setting a godly example to be in church day by day, week by week, for 17 years, teaching their children in the ways of the Lord. That, that is awesome, and I say thank you, Jesus, for that. And we can see Jessie, she's, she's passionate about the relationship with the Lord. She's, she's helping out, she's in the coffee shop helping us on Sunday. She's got her heart full of the Word of God. She's in love with the Lord Jesus. She's actually being trained up now by our youth leaders to become the, one of the next youth leaders that will help and, and guide the next generation. So give the Lord a hand for that. Next, I want to just say something about Malvina. I think everybody knows her. She's always here. Most of the time, you see Malvina walking with one of the leaders, kids in her arms. Just there she is, Malvina. Look at that little Malvina as she was 16 years ago in children's church. And um, she's just been always there, kind, loving, looking after the leader's kids, helping for the past few years. She's been helping in children's church, and she actually joined our Champions Club team this year as well. She's doing amazing. She's got a heart that's so compassionate, that's so patient, and she's just the perfect fit there, and we thank God for her life. Then I want to just say something quick about Stephen. Now, uh, I can still remember many times giving Stephen the eye there in the back of the class as I'm trying to teach a lesson. And he's being just a normal, typical boy, sometimes, you know, testing the faith of the teachers a little bit. But I just want to say how proud I am of this young man and who he has become. He's, he's passion for the Lord. I've, I've seen him now the past few weeks as he's, he's getting out of his shell and he's taking up a lesson to teach our little ones. He becomes alive. He's so passionate. I just want to sit in that class and I want to be taught because he's so excited about the Word of God and the kids are hanging on his lips and I thank God for the man of God that he's become. He's one of the people, by the way, I just want to say that has memorized the most scriptures that I've met in my life. I think he can give people a run for their money even three times his age and I'm, I'm sure that's, that's also because of his mom, who's a great prayer warrior. But we thank God for Stephen's life today, as he's changing kids' lives today. And then one of our last people I want to just lift up is Denise. Denise is 16 years old. She's been in church for the last seven years. So she came in at the end of Children's Church. And then she started to help as a volunteer in children's church every second week and just growing and growing and growing. She's now recently started to teach our smaller class, our conquerors class of four, five, six-year-olds. And I want to tell you, don't be fooled because she's got a timid, soft voice. When she picks up a mic, she will get your attention because you know what? She's on fire for the Lord. Give her a hand. So these are just a few of the many kids that's come through Children's Church, and we say, God, thank you for that, because we see the effect that they do. They don't stop growing. They're involved in different departments. They're going and growing for the Lord and have a passion, and I believe that God's going to do mighty things for them through them for many years to come. So maybe let's give them one more hand of applause. Thank you, guys. You can go. So I'm going to jump quickly. I want to mention just, just you know, one or two more things. The Bible talk, talks about um, King Josiah, 
And I don't know who here knows about King Josiah. He was eight years old when he became king. And as an eight-year-old king, he turned the nation back to God. He broke off pagan idols. He cleaned out the temple and said, guys, it's time to worship the Lord. Eight years old. So there's no limit to what God can do when we are willing and ready. And I want to encourage you to see how can we take hands? How can we get together? How can we do things better? How can we lift up our kids and say, God, take them and make something beautiful in their lives? Um, I, want to, I want to end off with a, with a scripture. It says um, in Joshua, I think many times you, you, you know the scripture. Joshua says, as for me and my house... We will have a meeting together as a family and decide the spiritual direction of my family going forward. Do you know that scripture? Is that right? No, he says, as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. And that's where we as the parents come and have to make that decision to say, I'm ready. I'm going to point my children in the way that they should go. I'm going to set the example of the way that my children should go. I'm not going to be the one that gets woken up by my children to say they want to go to church. I'm going to be the first one up to say, I'm taking my children to church because I know this is for their destiny. This is for what God wants to do in their lives. So I'm, I'm closing. My time is up. But... I just want to say I thank you for every parent that's been keeping on praying and petitioning for their children, for the children of household of Christ. Your prayers matter. Thank you for taking Amen. up a stance to say we want to go further. Thank you for, for taking hands with us to say we, we want to do something for the kingdom of God. And I want to encourage you. Let's do that more. Let's see how we can do, what we can do, what we can do differently as a family, as a church, how we can take our children to the next step in Christ Jesus. And I thank you for your time. And I wanted to say a special thank Thank you for our pastors, Pastor Bernard and Belinda. I just want to mention this because I talk to a lot of children's church pastors and I've never seen two senior pastors that invest so much in the children's church and you value their lives so much. And I want to say thank you, Jesus, for your heart for our children, for your Amen. heart for this generation. We thank God for your lives. Thank you very much. Thank you, Pastor Harry. Give the Lord a hand. I was, uh, when I was just looking at the kids here, I was thinking about so many other kids. So if you are not up on the platform, don't feel out. Um, even uh, Stephen's brother, Israel, he's here on the cameras. Uh, there's whole family serving, even in the media departments. Uh, I'm thinking about the other two twins that grew up here right in front of us, Nayo and Nelo. Um, Kevin and Karen, Skeets, there's so many children just grew up here in front of us and we see them full of the Word of God. Amen. So we have a responsibility. It's not just the church's responsibility, but it's also our responsibility. Amen. Let us pray. Precious Father, we thank you for your goodness and your mercy, your tremendous grace that you have towards us. Thank you for your Word. Thank you that your sons, your servants, your daughters will hear your voice upon my voice in this day, O oh Lord. Touch our hearts, change our hearts, O oh Lord, to become more obedient to your word, O oh Lord. And we thank you for that. We bless you for that. In Jesus' mighty name we pray. And everybody said, amen. Well, I said it was going to be a bit different today. I think the first thing that we should know about Jesus when we look at Acts 10 verse 38 is that Jesus went about doing good. The Bible says how God anointed Jesus Christ of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and with power who went about doing good. 
So as a Christian, when you are filled with the Holy Spirit, you should be going around doing good. There's so many things happening around us, shaking our world today, and people are looking for a friend. They just need somebody to reach out to them, to help them. Jesus was kind. Jesus was compassionate. Are you kind? Jesus wasn't rude. Was kind, gave hope, brought peace everywhere he went. And we should train our children in those ways, but sometimes we have to reset our own faith in certain things when it comes to relationship. I want to read from the book of Ephesians and I want to read from the Amplified. Ephesians 4, verse 16 says, For because of him the whole body, the church, in all its various parts, closely joined and firmly knit together by the joints and ligaments with which it is supplied, when each part with power adapted to its need is working properly in all its function, grows to full maturity, building itself up in love. Can I say one thing? You need to believe with all your heart. Be persuaded in your heart that I need you like you need me. Sometimes we think, I don't need people. I, I can get along without them. But the Bible says here, when the church, when every member finds its rightful place, to have an understanding that the heart needs the hands. The heart maybe cannot pick up something, but I need the heart to be pumping so that I can go and pick up something. I need you like you need me. Turn to the person next to you and say, I need you like you need me. I think when the family is working correctly, the church will be functioning correctly as well. Very interesting for eldership, for leadership, the requirement is make sure your house is functioning in the right way, then we know you'll get it right in the church. But many times we don't get it right in the church because it's not right at home. It's not just the church responsibility to teach you, your children, about God. You have that same responsibility as well. Amen? Something that, that Herman didn't mention is that the curriculum of your children, it's all the messages that we've preached here in church, that they've just taken and applied it to the different children at different age groups. So if you've been hearing messages on faith, your child is hearing messages on faith. If they're hearing about to forgive, uh, you're hearing about forgiveness, they're hearing about forgiveness. Amen? I want to say this to parents. Remember, every relationship that you allow in your children's lives, in your own life, will affect you positively or negatively. It's going to be good or it's going to be bad. Proverbs 13 verse 20 says, He who walks with the wise men will be wise. If you want to be wise, hang out with wise people. But the companion of fools will be destroyed. The Passion Translation says, If you want to grow in wisdom, spend time with the wise. Walk with the wicked and you will eventually become just like them. That's why when you come to church, it's an environment where we embrace God. Amen? Godliness, holiness, that's what the church is about. 
We're not trying to get the church to be like the world. We want people in the world to come to the church and see the benefits of serving Jesus. Amen? So, there are four types of people or classes of people, and you have to be aware of that in your relationships. Young people, you have friends that will add and multiply to your life, but you'll also have those around you that will subtract and divide. People that will multiply and add, and others that will divide and subtract. Sometimes people only want to be your friend when it's convenient for them. Have you discovered that? Have you experienced that? But Jesus went about doing good the whole time. People want to sit at your table when everything is well, but when you're going through a difficult time, that's when you really need friends. The Bible says there's one that sticks closer than a brother. His name is Jesus Christ. Amen? Can I just leave something with us as Christians? Luke 6 verse 31 says, However you wish to be treated by others is how you should treat everyone else. The way you want people to treat you is the way that you should treat other people. Do you know what that means? It means that only those that fear God can really be a true friend because they'll be aware of the fact that the way that you are treating somebody is the way that you want to be treated. Amen? I know time is not on our side today, but I just want to touch on one little thing. Herman was sharing about the little boy that just said, everybody hates me, wants to hurt me, nobody wants to be my friend. And he started responding and reacting in that way, hurting people before they can hurt him. I want to ask you a question. Do you know what's the triggers in your life? Do you know what's the red button in your life? Okay, let me rephrase it. Married people here, do you know what is your spouse's red button? Just raise your hand. You know what's the red button? It's that little thing that when you touch on it, you can make them angry in three seconds. Do you know what's your spouse's red button? Do you know what's the triggers in your own life? It's very difficult for people sometimes to maintain good relationships because of these triggers. You have to master your triggers. A trigger can be anything. Maybe a, a teacher that said something that really hurt you. And now you say, I'll never ever let somebody talk to me like that again. Disappointment in a relationship. Triggers are oftentimes the very thing that prevent us from changing. Because every time we find ourselves in that kind of a situation, the trigger causes us to respond or react. Let me give you a, a bit more simple example of a trigger. You've decided, Monday, I'm going on the new diet to get ready for December. Ever made a decision like that? I'm going to... And then Monday... As you wanted to start, you see the advert, the new special burger, extra cheese, fried onions, bacon, and those jalapenos that you love. And there's a trigger. I'll start tomorrow. Let me just try that. <laughs> Who of you have got food triggers? When it rains and you smell the rain, you don't think, oh, Lord, 
the earth is being watered, you think, pancakes. I'm going to call my mother-in-law. She needs to make us some pancakes. Are you recognizing some triggers in your life? Many people have had bad experiences in a church, and now they don't want to go. If you're here at church, they want to go to church. I want to say to you that church didn't hurt you. It was people in the church, religious people in the church hurt you, not the church. You're going to have to master that trigger because you have to find your rightful place in the body of Christ so that the body can start to edify itself in love. Many of you with triggers from the past, you've made vows in your heart that's limiting you and you're not changing. And you blame it on the trigger. If they didn't. Religious people killed Jesus. Religious people will hurt you. That's why you have to be in a living church where there's liberty, amen, where there's life in Christ Jesus. There's no church that's perfect. Only Jesus is perfect. But you have to be part so that you can grow in the things of the Lord. Amen. Turn to the person next to you and say, I know my trigger. I've discovered my red button. Don't touch my red button. I'm busy mastering it so that you cannot trigger me. Am I talking to the right people here? Jesus wants to rewrite your negative triggers into something positive. Amen. That where you say, I don't want to go to church, they're going to be like this or that. Sometimes you've made up in your mind so much that people are going to be in a certain way that even if they're not really in that way, but just almost in that way, it triggers. Bah! And you react. And triggers are one of the things that keep us from maintaining good relationships. I'm not going to take too much time. I want to show you quickly just one trigger in the Bible that was a negative trigger that Jesus turned into a positive trigger. Would you like to see and read about that? Turn with me in your Bibles to the book of Luke chapter 22. I'm going to read from verse uh, 54. Peter denies Jesus. Who of you know that story? Turn to the person next to you and say, that's a bad trigger. To deny Jesus, say, that's bad. But Jesus can fix it. Family, let's just be honest. All of us have found ourselves in a place where we wanted to stand for Jesus and we didn't. All of us have denied him, but he's never denied us. Amen? So listen to this. Having arrested him, they led him and brought him into the high priest's house. But Peter followed at a distance. Now, when they had kindled a fire, you know, a trigger can be anything. It can be a house. It can be a place that you visited. It can be a person. It can be food. It can be the rain. It can be fire. It can be the wind, whatever. Now, when they had kindled a fire in the midst of the courtyard and sat down together, together, Peter sat among them and a certain servant girl. Harry spoke about a servant girl. Here there's a servant girl again. Seeing him as he sat by the fire, looked intently at him and said, this man was also with them. But he denied him saying, woman, I don't know him. How many times 
we blame our behavior, our triggers on people. If she didn't ask, if she didn't look at me that way, I wouldn't have said anything. I wouldn't have done anything. Let me see your hand if I'm talking to the right people here. Sitting next to a fire, can you imagine Peter denying Jesus? Every time Peter would now sit next to a fire, he would be reminded of the fact that he's a Jesus denier. Every time you invite him over for a bride, every time you want to sit next to a fireplace, every time you ask him, oh, can you just make us a fire and make the fire yourself? Ever done that? Don't raise your head. Every time he would sit, every time he would see a young girl, they ask questions they shouldn't ask. Am I talking to the right people here this morning? Turn to the person next to you say, I have some triggers I never knew about. The Holy Spirit is revealing them to me. But Jesus wants to rewrite every negative trigger into something positive. Sometimes we're not aware of our triggers. Who of you have discovered you've got triggers you didn't know about? Just thinking about your behavior in the past, what made you trigger? You know what's the good news? Even though he denied Jesus here, Jesus still wanted a relationship with him. Luke 22, verse 61. You know, we sometimes think Jesus was at the front gate and Peter was here when he denied Jesus. That's not the fact. The truth is, Peter was so close to Jesus that Jesus turned to him, looked him in the eyes. Jesus heard Peter saying, I don't know him. Family, let me just tell you something. Relationship is so precious for Jesus that even when he's heard you denying him, he still wants to pursue a relationship with you. Luke 22, verse 61, it says, The Lord turned and looked to Peter. Do you know what that means? He heard him saying that, and Jesus turned to him with loving eyes. Peter, I still love you. The thoughts that I have towards you, the things that I've declared over you, that you will be the rock and I'm going to build the church, my church, using you as an instrument of mercy and my mind has not changed concerning you. The Bible said, Peter went and wept bitterly because it was not judgment and condemnation that looked at him, but it was love, mercy, grace. When people fail you, when people hurt you, don't look down upon them. Love them because you've got Christ's ability on the inside. Don't give up on your relationship with Jesus. Turn to the person next to you and say, don't give up on your relationship with Jesus. You know what's one of the most amazing things? He had a fire problem and he had a woman problem. Peter had a fire problem and he had a woman problem. Why did she have to say that? You know what's the amazing thing? In Mark chapter 16, Guess who's the person that brings the message to Peter? A woman. The least likely person 
Mary Magdalene. Just, just meditate on that for one minute. The responsibility to share with the disciples that walked with Jesus for three years was given to Mary Magdalene. The one they considered a chief sinner. But Jesus said, you know what? The person that's forgiven much will love much. And this message that I've risen, I have to give to somebody that really loves me. I'm going to give it to her. Amen? Ladies, you missed a good place to say amen. Do you know what the angel said to Mary? I want you to go to my disciples and say that I'm risen. No. He said, I want you to go to my disciples and Peter. Why? Because Peter was walking in so much condemnation and guilt, thinking, I've denied my Jesus. When you go to John 21, just because of time, you can go read it. They were busy catching fish, and the one who loved Jesus, John himself, he said to Peter, that's the Lord. What does the Bible say? Peter jumped out of the boat, even though they were not. Maybe he thought, the Lord will just let me walk on water again, but I have to get to him. I'm not going to run away from him. I'm going to run to him. And when Peter... He's heard the message now from a woman. Jesus is looking for you. Women are not bearers of bad news, of good news, of mercy and hope. What happens? When Peter came to Jesus, there was a fire. The Bible says there were hot coals and he made breakfast for them. Now Peter can meet with Jesus next to a fire and know he loves me. And Jesus asked him, and he said to him, Peter, do you love me more than all of these? He says, Lord, you know. And he restores Peter back, reminding him that he loves him, reminding him that I'm going to use you to build my church, and the qualification is the love that I have for you that's on the inside. Peter, let it start to overflow to others. And that's our qualification to reach out to people. A matter of fact, Peter was reconciled back to God right there. The ministry that Paul writes about in the book of Corinthians is that we've received the ministry of reconciliation. Are you reconciling people to Jesus or are you pushing people away from Jesus? Our relationship with others flows from this love that God has deposited on the inside of us. You know, it's one of the biggest mistakes that we make. People that don't know God, we want to push them away. Where in the Bible is that? You have the ministry of reconciliation. Turn to the person next to you say, you have the ministry of reconciliation. What does that mean? It means don't keep a distance from unbelievers. The Bible warns us, don't become like them, don't let them influence you, but you influence them because you have the hope. Christ on the inside of you. Are you ready to become a minister of reconciliation? This is what relationship is all about. Maybe start in your own family. Anybody here offended with family members? 
Don't raise your hand, don't raise your hand. <laughs> you know what I'm talking about. The Bible says if anybody is in Christ, is a new creation. All old things, all your bad things, all your negative things, all is gone. It's passed away, become new. Then he says, because you know you have been made new, you have this responsibility for them. Go out and reconcile people. You've been given the responsibility, the ministry of reconciliation. It's not just about us here in the church. It's not just us training your children and you train, but going beyond that. Small family, big family. Are you ready for that responsibility? To go and restore some relationships? Make a tangible difference in our community. Loving God and loving people. Amen? I want to close with this. The Bible teaches us that in Matthew 25, Jesus said, You came and gave me water. When I was hungry, you fed me. When I was thirsty, you gave me something to drink. When I was a stranger, you took care of me. They said, where did we do this? We never did this. What are you talking about? And he said, when you've done this to the least, you've done it to me. Can I say that we truly serve Jesus when we help people in need? We truly serve Jesus when we help those that are in need. The first place Galatians says is in the household is where we should start. We should start here. Have brothers around us, not just the strangers. Although Jesus knew he would be rejected, he continued with this assignment from heaven to help people to do good. His spirit on the inside gives us that ability that even when they curse us, we can bless them. When they despitefully use us, we can pray for them. And we can be the one mastering those triggers. Not when somebody curse you. Hey, you want a piece of me? No, no, no. When they curse you, bless them. Because they're not doing it to you. They're doing it to the Christ on the inside of you. And when you are helping and serving others, it's the best way to demonstrate that you are loving and serving Jesus. So I want to really encourage us. It's not just the children's church. It's not just us here in the church. But we have to go beyond this. I've realized there's a generation out there that I don't understand. Who of you have got young children? There's a, there's a generation that, that goes to church on their cell phone. Do you know what I'm talking about? The message will never change, but the methods will change. So we want to reach out to those so that we can get them in church, so that we can show them a more excellent way, not judge and criticize people. Turn to the person next to you and say, show a more excellent way. Anybody can criticize, but we're not called to criticize. We are called to show a more excellent way, reconciling people to Jesus Christ. Hallelujah. I want everybody right there where you are. Just put your right hand on your heart. Raise your other hand to heaven and pray this prayer loud after me. Say, Precious Father, my situation is beyond human means. I need the Savior of the world to save me. Save me, Lord Jesus, to wash me with your blood. Cleanse me from all unrighteousness. I confess with my mouth and I believe with all my heart that Jesus Christ died for me. 
that is alive right now, making intercession for all my weaknesses. Oh, Holy Spirit, help me to live a holy life, well-pleasing in your sight. In Jesus' mighty name we pray. Everybody said? Amen. Hallelujah. Give the Lord a hand. Thank you for listening to this audio sermon. For more information, please go to our website, www.hoc.org.za. Household of Christ. Loving God. Loving people.